Hay is for horses and sometimes for cows, but pigs don't eat it because they don't know how. Hi, you're listening to America's most feline podcast, The Pod People. Confused by the animal metaphors yet? Well, I'm Peckerwood Pigeon, Matisse Van Rossum. <laughs> oh, fiddly sticks. It's bed sheets. Bazinga! I'm Cleveland Mosier, and, uh, man, Polly sure has a big old pecker, huh? What was it, the bazinga? <laughs> That's what he says after he, when he punches him. Oh, yeah. I thought you were doing a young Sheldon Yeah, there's just, hey, it's for horses, then he goes, bazinga, and he hits him. Real hard. But let's probably get some Bazoinga. Even better, frankly. Yeah. (laughs) Let's bring some context to this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're back. Hey, we're all back in the same room again. Yes. After what, like three, four episodes that we've recorded remotely? I sound normal now. I have my whole vocal range. We've got all the good good microphones back. We're back in the same room, and we just watched a fantastic little film called Cat's Eye that Cleveland chose for us this week, uh, written by Stephen King, directed by Louis Teague. Uh, it's a it's a, a horror anthology. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done an anthology. I think the last one was either Trick or Treat or Creepshow. Uh, geez, has it? Have we not done any anthology yeah, since then? That's we have. That's if. Crazy, if true. Yeah, um, I, I love anthology horror movies. I'm mm-hmm. a sucker for them. And man, oh man, was I pleasantly surprised by this one. I was insanely surprised by this one. I really had no expectations going in, but man, it was great. Like, I feel like usually with anthologies, there's going to be like a mix of quality, but I loved this whole movie. Yeah, I loved, ev- I loved every consistent. story. Yeah. Um, it has a really goofy, kind of lighthearted tone, too. Which this movie I was think so much funnier than I was expecting. really kind of yeah. puts it above and beyond for me. Mm-hmm. Self aware, too. Yeah. Like, always laughing with. Like, yeah, I had an amazing time. So, first off, got to give credit to my colleague and good friend Luke Oram for recommending this movie to me. Um, it's been on my list for a couple of weeks, really months now, uh, as research for working on Creepshow, because it's kind of in, in some circumstances considered to be, like, the third Creepshow film, even though there is a third Creepshow movie, but we don't need to talk about that. It's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, this this film, it's, it's kind of similarly in line. It's uh, built on stories that were written by Stephen King, so there's a lot of fun Stephen King references throughout, and uh, it's it's a joy. Um, I mean, I would probably say that like Tales from the Dark Side is actually like the third creep show, yeah, sort of movie. But um, Stephen King is really the connective tissue with this one mm-hmm. between this and Creep Show. But it's, these stories I, do feel like EC comics, like yeah, and I they have the like same morality structure. With this one, they really point that out that it's a Stephen King deal mm-hmm. because they yeah. you know the movie starts with the cat being chased down by Cujo, by Cujo. Yeah. and Cujo was directed by Louis Teague oh, same really? director as yeah. this yep. yeah I um, haven't seen the the Cujo movie. I actually yeah. haven't either. Oh, look at that! Um, but uh, it is it somewhere. is the same director. Yeah. Well, and you know, like the the first two stories are adaptations of Stephen King short stories. The third one is an original. But Stephen King did like write the whole screenplay to this film. It's oh, not just okay. like an, cool. it's not yeah. just like an adaptation of his stories. Just like Creepshow, he did write the script. Yeah, um, I will say like this is. 
again, I think a little more directly silly mm-hmm. than Creepshow ever gets. I think the closest to silly we get is in the first Creepshow where the the dude is turning into like a grass man and it's played by Stephen, Stephen King, King himself. Yeah. Um, but this is more directly silly and I think it works super well. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, it reminds me, you know, of, of maximum overdrive a little bit. Yeah, same, same era. A bit of that cocaine energy. Yeah. Same era. Uh, it was just like maximum overdrive. It was also shot in Wilmington, North Carolina, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, I, I do think that it, it diverges from the creep show formula, in the terms of its... Well, it's not creep show, so there's no creep. Right, well, yeah, of course, but uh, just also the structure as well, in sort of like the the wraparound narrative, which in this case, like, really just becomes like the third story yeah. with yeah. like the first two I mean, along the, the way. the wraparound story is the kitty. Yes, General. yes. The cat's all from the cat's yeah, eye. And the cat's eye. I, I found that to be wholesome, fun, and also pretty cohesive. Uh, like, the cat has a direct play and is is always there and watching throughout all of the stories, yep. which is also technically really impressive. Um, of Best animal performance I think yeah, I've ever seen same. in a film. Please, you yeah. were saying, like, it's very expressive in the movie. There were so many amazing reaction shots. I couldn't cat. believe what they were, like, able to get this cat to do like, at times. Really like, really emotional it's... expressions. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, you know, animals are expressive, but just, like, some of the stuff that they were able to just, like, get the cat to do, especially, like, later in, like, the third story. But it's like, yeah, they're, like, it's just, like, a very well-trained cat. Cats, almost (laughs) certainly. There's no way that was one cat. In movies like this, it's usually, like, they have, like, a bunch of... You know, yeah, I don't know. It looked it looked like the same cat to me. Yeah, because he you could, <laughs> cat or cats. You could see you could see, his, you could see his balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, the general's loaded down. Mm. I really like that throughout each of the stories, a character gives the cat a different name. Except know? yeah, I don't think anybody names it in the first one, but. In the second one, yeah. Yes, there isn't time for that. Yeah. yeah, they just call it, like, Little Kitty Cat. In the second one, the guy names him Sebastian, and Sebastian. then little Drew Barrymore uh, names him the General in the third one. Which, I mean, that's his true name, though, right? So we're just... Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just refer to the cat as as the general. As a chick, because you know what? It's the best a, name. It's a damn good name. Absolutely. It's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... And, Good name for a good cat. Mm-hmm. Very good cat. So, um, uh, one of the things that kind of surprised me about this movie is it's PG-13. You know, it's, yeah. it yeah. doesn't go super over the top at any point. It kind of plays it within that, you know, PG-13 range. Well, yeah, it never where, gets graphic yeah. or sexual or <clears throat> doesn't have a lot of swearing either. Yeah, and I think this is one of the best examples of a PG-13 horror movie. <laughs> and doing it right. Because, you know, it's it's sometimes spooky. Like, the third little goblin gnome dude is kind of spooky to kids. I'm sure plenty of kids tuned into this late at night by accident and got nightmares. Yeah, a few of my colleagues, you know. Oh, they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Kids, you know, <laughs> but, fun. like, it's not, like, scary, scary. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the tone is very, again, goofy and yeah. silly. You see comics kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, though the creep isn't there or, you know, the crypt keeper isn't there to, to come in with a pun or something at the end, the cat's reaction is always, like, pretty funny. Um, yeah, and uh, this movie really doesn't need to be, like, a hard R or anything oh, like no. that. Well, because, again, those EC comics were for kids, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it works. All the scary ghouls and goblins and things. Uh, so I, I, had a, I had a wonderful time. Let's just go ahead and dig into the, the details. Uh, sure. It's It's a joy. Uh I would I definitely highly recommend it before, like, getting into spoilers. So I think we were all kind of surprised mm-hmm. by, yeah. like, how great of a time. Because, like, I was going into a thing like, yeah, it's probably going to be kind of the same vein as those other things. And I'm going to at least enjoy it. But it, I've never really heard of it before. Like, I got those recommendations from friends. And, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. And I, I was just, we were fucking shouting and, like, having a great time. Like, there's hollering. a few of those, yeah. like, kill yeah. sequences where we were like, ah! like a fucking touchdown like yeah. i was so excited and it's it's always fun to watch a good movie with the boys yeah this know? movie fucking rules so i would you know before we say, dig into the details i would i would just i would say i recommend yes this. definitely mm-hmm. a strong recommend in the past when we've done anthologies creep show and trick-or-treat um we've given ratings for each segment would you guys like to do that, or would you like to just give a general rating? I I say for this one a general rating because it's. They're I feel like great. it's. I feel like it's so kind of like consistent. Yeah. yeah, consistent and also like interwoven with like the through line of like the cat and stuff. It doesn't feel like as strictly episodic as something like Creep Show yeah. does. Yeah. So I'd I'd rather just rate the whole thing at the end, I think. Yeah, I mean I really loved all three mm-hmm. in, Me too. in their so. own ways. Uh so the first story stars James Woods and he goes into this place to, to quit smoking. Quitters Incorporated. The yeah. final the final <laughs> solution. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, subtitle. No. Yikes. Oh, no. Not a really yeah. good name for a subtitle, The Final Solution. Uh, yeah, he goes really in... Ideal. He goes <laughs> in this place to, to... They promise they'll make you quit smoking. You know, he sees some kind of weird stuff in, like, the lobby while he's filling out the paperwork. There's, well, he, like... He pulls out a cigarette to smoke in the quit smoking lobby, which is hilarious in and of itself because he's yeah. surrounded by these big... Like, no smoking logos all around What him. I like is there's, like, sort of mixed messages. Like, for every no smoking sign, there's one that's, like, smoking is debonair. There's, yeah, there's smoking multiple, cool. there's, in multiple rooms in this place, there's the same poster that has, like, some, uh, just a picture of somebody smoking a cigarette. It says, smoking is debonair. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, yeah, really, really mixed messaging. But, yeah, when he takes out the cigarette and he's about to start smoking, like, the other guy who's, like, in the lobby with him just like starts weeping yeah just openly and <laughs> and you know a few minutes later uh this this woman comes out and she is like disheveled and crying and like jumpy and she like runs to the guy and like starts hugging him and they like walk out of like the place crying and as he's leaving he's like i've been a smoker since i was 16 years old so then the uh, the the guy comes out and brings James Woods back into his office. But I really do like that moment because James Wood, he's filing out his paperwork and he's sort of looking up as all of this is happening and he's seeing it and he's like, oh, fuck, what's the fuck is... Like, something clearly nefarious is happening behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Like, they're doing something fucked up to them back there mm-hmm. to make them, like, come out as emotional wrecks. 
And he's walked up the desk and he's like, well, you know, actually, I don't think this is going to be for me. I'm not really feeling it or whatever. And he's just about to walk away when the head of the company comes out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And he shakes his hand and he takes the paper from him. And he's like, no, trust me, come on. And he leads him back there. And it's it's really good. You know that he's sort of walking into some sort of fucked up lion's den. We don't know what yet. And it's great because we can still relate (laughs) with James Woods because, like, he, he sees the signs, but it's just a little too late. The, the head of the company, uh, Mr. Donati, I think, yeah. is his name, starts giving his spiel. Played by Alan King, who's a really yes. great character actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. Alan King get, starts giving his spiel and uh, sort of, like, directs James Woods over to, like, the back wall of the office, which has a big curtain across it. And he opens the curtain, and it's just, like, this uh, big glass window into this, like, metal room, and he sees the cat in there. Because we'd seen um, this guy, like, come and pick the cat up off the street earlier. Um, and he, like, he presses a button, and it the floor is, like, electrified, and it starts, like, shocking the cat. I did not particularly like this part. No, they um, did have a funny needle drop with it. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember that one. The, the, <laughs> there's a, a there's a lot of good. There's a more imp- a, a more movie. relevant needle drop that yeah. we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I, I I like how they do it because you can see that they're doing like the little like firecrackers like in the floor pretty far away from the cat. Well, and, like it's when it's jumping up and down, it, it looks like the animal wasn't hurt or anything. I mean, it did look like the cat was having a bad time. The cat though. did seem distressed, which I didn't like. I did see that according to Lewis Teague, what they did is like the floor of the room is like a is like a grate, yeah. And apparently, the the animal operator was underneath it with a can of compressed air spraying it oh, under the cat fine. to make it to oh, make yeah. it that's harmless jump. That's sweet. okay good um which yeah if if that is all they were doing then yeah i feel a little bit better about it while i was watching the scene like the cat did not seem to be having a good time so yeah they started so i was i was a little bit i was a little bit like mm, i don't love this but uh if that's all it was then that's that's a little bit better well, i'm but glad you looked it up the cat the cat's a good actor um <laughs> But yeah, James Woods is, like, understandably, like, freaked out about this. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're going to kill the cat? And the guy's like, no, no, don't worry. Like, I'm just giving him a little shock. Well, but, yeah, what he specifically says, its toes are just a little crispy, but yeah. he's okay. And it's like, oh, fuck you, dude. That's evil as shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, well, the the guy is a real, like, mobster type of guy. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to use. You know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like he kind of inherited this gig from sort of nefarious means so to yeah. speak mm-hmm. well and and james was like what if i if i don't stop smoking are you gonna put me in the cat room and he's like no of course not we wouldn't do that we're gonna put your wife in the cat, cat room, room. <laughs> and the second time we'll put your daughter in the cat room and if that doesn't work well well we got a war- yeah, warning it's a big warning on the front of this one but uh yeah, then he says some really heinous shit. And that's, and that's what I don't understand. It's like, this movie is PG-13, and I get that, like, apart from, I think, this one little part of the movie, like, it's it'd be fine for kids. But, like, this is a really fucked up thing to say to somebody, where he leans in really close to James Woods, and he's like, yeah, and we also have uh, a, a, a rapist on retainer. 
for well, your wife. What the fuck, man? Like He doesn't say they're shit. the rapist on retainer. He says, he phrases it like, the third time you offend, we'll have someone rape your wife. We keep an unsavory character around for just such purposes. So, a wife rapist. They do, they have a wife rapist on retainer. Like, I get, I get that, like, conceptually, the whole point of this bit is... What if there was, like, an anti-smoking company that went to absolutely no... Or just held no morals, was essentially Big Brother, like, and would do anything to prevent you from smoking, no matter how evil or heinous, right? So this is the most evil and heinous to, thing to they scare could, they could To do. scare you out of smoking is, right. li- is literally, like... like uh, like negative, like negative reinforcement conditioning, because he's like, he's like, for the first month, we're gonna have somebody watching you at all times. Because statistically, that's when smokers quit. There will be times where you can, where you might be able to see all of the people we've got watching you. There will be times where you'll only be able to see some of them, and there will be times where you'll never see any of them at all. <laughs> but if you smoke, we'll know. <laughs> And on your first defense, we're putting your wife in the cat room. <laughs> yep. Zapper toes. As a viewer, I found myself, like, really nervously laughing throughout yeah. that whole scene. It's it's campy, it's corny, it's over the top, but it's still super unsettling. Well, the, the, well whole, the way they start the whole thing out, too, that we that we glossed over is, like, at the very beginning of, of Alan King's spiel, oh, he's yeah. like... He's like, do you have cigarettes on you? And James was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, okay. He's like, give me your cigarettes. And he hands them to him. And he kind of, you know, cuts open the packet and he dumps all the cigarettes out on the desk and kind of like lines them up so they're all sitting there. He just t- pauses for a beat, and then he just starts <laughs> with both fists like a gorilla, like banging the cigarettes on the table <laughs> while just ah. <laughs> It felt some like something out of like I think you should leave. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like this is an I think you should leave bit. Yeah, man, and like I think it's a real testament to this movie that like we almost glossed over that that moment. You there, know, like, yeah, because there's so many it. funny. Yeah. There's so many funny things. There's like too many to with goofs mm-hmm. and. It's it is really funny. Like when he just, he just starts like a gorilla, like you said, just like pounding the desk. Like, destroying all the cigarettes. Oh, and it's great, too, because, like, after he does it, he wipes all the cigarettes off of his desk into a trash can and then blows no, he, the remains No, he opens lap. up the drawer on his desk and wipes the crushed <laughs> cigarettes into the drawer on his desk. Even better. Yeah, and then, like, he blows the remaining tobacco into yeah. James Wood's lap. Like, it's so fucking rude. This is before the reveal of the cat room. <laughs> yeah, like, that's how they start. Like, it's it's such a wonderful way. To... Oh, and he also has, like, an automatic switch that locks the door mm-hmm. in the room. It's all very, like skeezy and like funny i remembered what the the needle drop was for the cat it was twist and shout That's which is yes. amazing yes, it was thank you <laughs> yeah twist and that's exactly what it was Come on, um, twist and shout. yeah so then we cut to that night james woods is at home he's uh another stephen king reference he's watching the dead zone on tv that's what the, it was yeah the david Walken. the yeah the, the david cronenberg one yeah um, um who also directed chris uh, we see the car well, at the no, beginning. No, John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Right. Yeah, Cronenberg did. Um, no, I think I think you're right. I think the Dead Zone is the only King adaptation he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got Carpenter and Cronenberg confused for a second. Though. We'll have to cover it at some point. Um, um, it's so funny because he's quit smoking for six hours and he is. 
so agitated about it. Yeah, he's super irritable. His wife is like, what's going on with you? <laughs> it's and compounded by the paranoia, too. Also, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that like if he, sm- if he smokes, then they're going to put his wife in the cat room. Well, I like it, too, because he's, like, he's sitting there watching this movie, and he gets so upset that he spills his drink all over his chest, and he shuts it off, and he's like, man, that dialogue was shit anyway. He's like, I can't follow this stupid movie. <laughs> and his wife comes over, and she's like, oh, of course you're going to spill your drink. You keep using your tit as a coaster. Yeah. Like, that's such a good line. Like, the dialogue is great in this movie. Yeah. So, you know, he carries off and goes to bed. And, uh, yeah. oh, I like it, too, because she, she's in bed. She's reading, um... Pet Cemetery. Pet no, Cemetery. that's that's the mom in, in the third. Oh, whatever. In the third it's story. Oh, yeah, yeah, someone's reading Pet Cemetery. Because, um, uh, again, this movie's just, like... Chock full of Loaded the, the... down with Stephen King references. But yeah. it's... It, I always found it to be really cute. I just found it to be like little sweet homages. I never found it to be like annoying. No, were, I mean it's yeah. Stephen King. All of his shit is self-referential. Like all of his books, like reference each other. A lot mm. of them take place in the same universe. He reuses character names all the time. So, yeah. and it was from a time too where like they weren't doing the whole multiverse bullshit. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm much happier to wave it off. Um. So yeah, he wakes up in the middle of the night. He's got the three a.m. Smokies. Um. He's <laughs> he, he goes he goes down to his office. Um, where he's got, he's stashed a, a pack of cigarettes in his desk and he's like, okay, you know, 3 a.m., like, I can get away with smoking a cigarette. They're not wa- watching me now. But, uh, does he hear something in the closet? I can't remember, like, what, like, alerts his attention, but he goes and he opens the closet and he just sees, like, a pair of boots, like, <laughs> behind all of the coats and stuff. It looks like there's legs in them. Well, you can't really tell, but they're, like, soaking wet. There's, like, a puddle underneath them. Yeah. And he's just kind of, like, talking into the coach. He's, like, I, he's like holding up the series, like, look, I didn't, I didn't smoke it. I promise. I... Well, and I love that shot, too, like, the, the reverse shot of um, him talking into the, the coats because it's, like, it's all black except for the silhouette. It's, like, a strip of his face. Mm. And he's, like, lit by those wonderful, like, 80s blue nighttime lights. This movie yeah. this movie is exceptionally well shot um, because the fucking DP was Jack Cardiff, I caught in the opening credits, <laughs> like, one of the most legendary, yeah. like, cinematographers of all time. Um, and this movie looks... Great! It looks so it is, good. It's yeah, it's extremely well shot. But yeah, so he's like he's talking into the coach. He's like, I didn't smoke it. See the cigarette? The cigarette's not lit. He's like, he like tears it up and throws it on the ground. He's like, I was just coming down to get my golf clubs in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, didn't smoke anything. He never pulls the coats back. He just kind of closes the closet door and like walks away. It's like, was there somebody in the closet? You know. Um, I love how after that it cuts to the morning <laughs> yeah. with the wife waking up and turning over and the, just the, <laughs> the golf clubs, the golf clubs are in the bed. <laughs> yeah, and he goes back downstairs, you know, in the light of day and opens up the closet and the boots are gone and there's footprints leading out of the closet. So somebody was in the closet. Um, and of course, too, like he's freaking the fuck out about that. And you hear yeah. his wife from the other room be like, oh, do you want some coffee? And he turns on, he screams, you know, you're just like, she's like, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> um, then he, so then he goes to, uh, see his daughter at school, uh, and give her, uh, a cabbage patch doll. The daughter played by Drew, but one of three roles that Drew Barrymore has in this movie. <laughs> oh, I do want to note, um, 
earlier on when he signs the paperwork for doing the smoking program and the guy has brought him into his office he's locked the door and he's looking over the paperwork he says he says to james woods oh i see you didn't list what school your daughter went to and james woods says oh well does it matter like you're just he's like yeah where smoke. my daughter goes to school isn't yeah, like, isn't yeah. pertinent to well, you helping me quit smoking and then we cut to a sh- the sign of the school later on and it's saint stephen's school for the exceptional like, so it says, you know, St. Stephen's School for the Exceptional. St. Stephen, another nice old Stephen King I think it's, <laughs> yeah, it's <yeah>. joke. <laughs> You're starting to jerk him off a little bit too much at that point. I think that's, that's pushing it, but I'll allow it. It's, it is still very yeah. funny. Um, uh, I, I like that they, they say it kind of without saying See, what it. See, what they should have done is they should have called the school Christ the King. Oh. Because it's yeah, a Catholic yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, I, I think literally calling Stephen King Christ, though, is probably pushing it even more. <laughs> but uh, I do, I do like that. Um, he he picks her up. She's got like really thick glasses on, and she looks a little confused a lot of the time. And sort of there's there's an implication there that you know she's special needs, and like that's why he and he, he was almost embarrassed to write it to write it down um, earlier on in the film, and mm-hmm. it and he's still like. Like, he shows, like, a great deal of affection towards her and, like, gives her the doll and, like, explains to her that it has a name and papers and everything else. And I I found it to be a really wholesome scene. And, frankly, like, my God, like, Drew Barrymore is a really good child actor. Like, she's super charming and sweet and adorable in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as campy as the film is, like, you still, like... Always well, you know, like you know, like are kind of cheering for. And her she got bit. she got her film debut in Firestarter, which was like a year or two before this. Right. Also a Stephen King story. Also shot in Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! They had a whole industrial complex at this point. <laughs> yeah, where they just kept Stephen King and Drew Barrymore <laughs> and Louis Teague, I guess. Yeah, it um, really works, you know. I mean, when you're working with great people, like, you want to keep working with them. I, I definitely yeah. get that. Yeah. Well, and then after, you know, he says goodbye to his daughter, he turns around and Mr. Donati is right there. Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, hey, look, like, you had somebody in my house last night. Like, that's pretty fucked up, but I didn't smoke. And uh, Mr. Donati is like, we know you didn't smoke. If you did, we wouldn't be here right now. We'd be back at my office. Zapping your, your wife. wife. Zapping your wife. Jesus yeah. Christ. And he's like, he's like, you know, <laughs> careful, like, we're we're watching. Um, and then, of course, like, as he's driving away, the needle drop that then transitions us into the next scene is uh, is <laughs> Every Breath You Take yeah. by the um, police. Well, every breath you take, it's a, watching you. It's, it's not actually the police, it's a cover. They, well, yeah, it transitions into a party scene, which is maybe my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's this party, like a house party full of, like, businessmen like business yuppies type yeah. of people and they're all smoking inside and stuff and having a good time you know they're and all saying like, things like well you better not let the fec get a win to that you know and like you know all kinds of shit yeah business jargon yeah, business things yeah and it just kind of escalates as uh james wood looks around and is fiending for a cigarette like the uh, the imagery of cigarettes becomes more and more over the top. Um, you have this shot of this guy sitting on the couch blowing a fat cloud for just like, like an, 
endless path. Yeah, like, like forty-five <laughs> seconds. I love. Yeah, it, just, it goes on for like just <laughs> too long to be like normal, and that's our first sign that like he's starting to like hallucinate. You know, like it's it's like the equivalent of like when someone's starving and their friend turns into a, like a chicken. It's that same kind of like vision that James yeah. Wood has. Well, here. yeah, and you get like giant cigarette boxes coming out and yeah, people like, dressed as cigarettes. The two the two kids smoking cigarettes and ashing the cigarettes into the punch bowl. Mm. There's the waiter walking around who's got cigarettes coming out of his nose and his ears. There's the same you big have the painting of the yeah, fa- yeah. of the founder of the anti smoking company who's also yeah. like there's a portrait of him in the other office. Like there's a big portrait of him, and first you see the eyes, like like looking around. I'll and be watching you. And then like the mouth and the ears are like all full of cigarettes. Hit the buddy that he's talking to, like takes like a drag off of like six cigarettes out of his mouth and nostrils, and then like uh, cigarette smoke just starts pouring out of his ears, like a, like a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon. Like it's so over the top and fun. And then like it's like the dramatic peak of it all, right? When James Woods is losing his mind, we look up the staircase and we see like the fucking head of the company, or like the guy, like you know, is like hounding James Woods, like singing along to the music, saying, "I'll be watching." He's you. dressed like El, like Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he just he, he, he like. He he just rips this like fat like uh composited cloud into the camera it's so good it's so campy yeah. and over the top and fun it's really really it's a really fun <laughs> sequence more movies like this it's great it's a, it really the whole thing is just a looney tune sequence um and it's, yeah. it's delightful uh so, and, and other movies have used like the police to say that like oh you know you're being watched like ooh, i'll be watching you this is easily my favorite version of it like like why 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 is anyone else even trying? Like at honestly, this point? Why, it's incredible doing? because that needle drop is so good, and they use it not once but twice. Yeah, it comes back in again in context, in, t- in different yeah. contexts. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like, amazing. Incredible. Cutting forward a little bit, um, James Woods is like driving. He's stuck in a traffic jam. He finally breaks down. He finds an old pack of cigarettes in his glove compartment, finally breaks down and has a cigarette, and he looks up and to the right, and there's uh, the Mr. Donati's goon. Uh, I think think the character's name is Junk. (laughs) 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 You see Junk in the car next to him, and he, like, makes eye contact with him and smiles, and James was like, no, and he drives home, and his wife is missing. And, you know, so he knows that his wife has been taken. uh... Well, I love when he gets home that uh, he had uh, the wife must have had something on. She's cooking something. something, Yeah. And so the the house is just full of smoke, which is great (laughs) thematically because, you know, (laughs) it's all focused on cigarette stuff. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, it's revealed, you know, Donati calls the house and Mm -hmm. says, uh, I'll see you at 5 p.m., huh? Yeah, how about that? We'll expect you at 5. Yeah, and he's, like, still trying to convince him, be like, oh, no. It's he's just like, like, no, you know, I just, it was just, it was just a slip-up. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it or nothing. So, yeah, they, he goes to, back to, to Quitters Incorporated, and, uh, his wife is put in the cat room, and, and she's, she's being shocked. Yeah, this time it's, uh, 96 tears, I think it is. Damn, That's a very you. good needle drop as well. All, all the drops. all the music in this is just great. Like it's very recognizable music. On the nose too, but 
works so well for it's all, the, yeah it's for it's the all tone they're going for it's all so on the nose but the movie is like so naturally campy and self-aware and self-aware yeah. that like it, it just feels like a fun gag um more so than like an annoying like nudge and a wink it's it's, I th- it's more it's it's not like the needle drops are not used like subtextually they're used textually it's so direct and on the nose that it almost goes full circle and becomes clever again yes oh for sure i would say almost i would <laughs> I say it does yeah. yeah um so yeah james woods freaks out and he uh uh, attacks uh junk and mr donati and in all of this uh the cat slips away able to, is able to slip out the door and run to down the, the stairs <laughs> yeah to on to the next story we'll 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 see him again soon so anyway I, they they eventually like calm him down um and you know, they're wa- like watching him and his wife like talking they're like uh, observing them on a monitor Taking and they're bets. they're betting um which is then what the whole second story is about right, yeah, <laughs> um, nice little true. foreshadowing but yeah Donati and Junk bet whether she's going to slap slap him in the face and walk away or whether she's going to like embrace him and start crying embrace him hard enough to give him a hernia <laughs> yeah the, the- the phrasing, which is great. Which is which is what she does, which is what Donati bets on, so he, he wins a little bet. And we uh we cut forward six months ahead. They're like weighing James Woods and everything is like much more like congenial now. They're all like chipper. they're chipper, buddy buddy. James Woods is calling uh Mr. Donati by his first name, like they're pals. Um, and Donati's talking about like, oh yeah, you know, we want, really want to keep an eye on your weight because a lot of people start putting on weight really fast in the first six months after they start, um, or after they stop smoking and he's taking him out to the lobby and he's like, we're putting you on these diet pills. Now, like a, now a good bunch of these are highly illegal. <laughs> so you, so use them sparingly. We're shooting your target weight. You're not going to get over 165. Um, <laughs> and he's like, what happens if I do? Yeah, he's, he's just, I was like, oh, are you gonna, are you gonna rape my wife or something like that? <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, we will chop off her, we'll just cut off her little finger instead. And he repeats it twice, and James Woods sort of laughs along. He's like, oh, that's good. He's like, that's wa- goofy, yeah. Walking out and pans over to, like, another couple who are, like, coming in for the first right. time. And, th- th- of course, that couple, like, they're hearing that, and they're thinking, he's just being silly. Right. And, of course, like, we know the truth, mm-hmm. like, that yeah. they'd actually do it. And James Woods has just, like, given up at this point, and he's just become complicit, and he's just letting it all happen to himself and his family, and he's just accepted that he's not going to smoke cigarettes anymore. And I think that's the most, like, kind of horrifying thing about this whole segment, is that it works. Like, they kind of win at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he stops stops smoking, and he kicks that bad habit. He didn't have a choice, yeah. 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 And I, I, I think that's... That's really cute. Like, well, the the nice the nice little bit at the end is that like they're he and his wife are having dinner with another couple. Is it? I think it's the same couple. Like the man that he saw in the lobby at the beginning and the wife. I think so. Yeah. Um, and they're all like having dinner and they're like toasting to Quitters Incorporated, you know. And they cheers. Everyone. They cheers. And the other guy's wife, the one who we saw getting shocked at the beginning, like she's the only one who like doesn't seem like ha- excited and happy about all of this like she's 
you know, she seems like very shell shocked for good reason. But when she goes to to cheers James Woods, you see on her hand that her pinky finger has been cut off. I I love the approach to this because it's all an implication. You know, it's not like directly telling you it's like it's very clear what happened yeah well yeah i mean the the last the last shot is a close-up of her hand with the pinky finger missing so it's pretty explicit well it's something that would be in a pg-13 movie yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. leaving the process up to the imagination yeah Yeah. so so often can be frankly better you know, yeah, hundred like, percent. Not all the time. I love I love the big gore reward as as much as like, any horror fan. But every once in a while, like I, when it's done right, when it's executed properly, leaving it up to the imagination is just pristine. Yeah, I think that leads us very nicely into our our, our next story. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cat jumps on a train and becomes a hobo cat. Nope, just, that's the third one. The, this, the cat jumps on the uh, Staten Island ferry. We oh, see the, the cat ferry. on the yeah, ferry, yeah, yeah. and ends ferry. and ends up in uh, Atlantic, Atlantic City. City, New Jersey. Yeah, the um, Vegas of the East. What about yeah, there? and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we see this sort of like mobster kind of guy like coming out of a casino and he's making a bet with this other guy they see the cat out in the the median of the road and there's cars going by on either side i didn't love this part either because again the cat seems pretty visibly distressed by all of the cars yeah and Um, the dude actively bets that the cat will die trying to cross well yeah they're they're betting on it's like if we can coax the cat out into the road over to us do you think it'll make it across or or you know die um and the the mobster guy uh bets on the cat to to yeah. make it um, two thousand two thousand dollars which honestly is not enough to try to get a cat to die no well you know? but for those people it's pocket change right yeah. like that's uh well yeah i mean like i think that the real argument is like there's there's no amount there's of no money. amount of money no, uh, well that exactly yeah. Well, uh, I I did. Uh, I thought the the mobster guy Kressner looked familiar. I had to look up the actor, but it's Kenneth McMillan. The reason he looks familiar is because he's the guy who plays uh, Baron Harkonnen in David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Of course, I just didn't recognize him without like all the filth around his mouth. Yeah, and on like, the, and the, the little race. and yeah. his little uh, his little levitation. <laughs> flying around yeah yeah. that's so good okay excellent so then we see uh this this other uh younger man he's sort of like putting he's putting his wife on a bus and being like you know you know hey you got to get out of here like for your own safety like he's he's got gambling debts you know that he's that he's run afoul of and so he's like putting her on this bus to keep her safe and after he sends her off he's going back to his car and he gets abducted by uh by two thugs um one whose <laughs> slogan is hey is for horses mm-hmm. um and he goes what, what was it bazinga bazoinga bazoinga he pops bazoinga yeah, he um, that. yeah they slap him in handcuffs and they take him back and they take him back to Kressner. And it's like okay, this is the guy that he owes he owes the money to for his his bet his uh, gambling debts, and Kressner takes him up to like the big the penthouse, and he's uh, takes him out on the the balcony, 
and he basically is like, okay, so I'm going to place a bet. We're going to place a bet. You're going to get out on the ledge of this building, and if you can get all the way around the building back to this balcony, then um, I'll let you keep your car, give you the money, and you can ha- and you can have my wife too. But if you lose, you fall to your death. Yeah, and for a little more context, the the balcony is sort of a jutting balcony around the building, which is kind of oddly shaped. Penthouse. It goes yeah. kind of in and out around the building. It's not so, like a uniform. Yeah, square. it's not it's just square. Yeah, it's skyscraper. Yeah, it's uh, it's about a five inch ledge. I think he mm-hmm. says. Yeah. But really, um, it feels like three. Or, or maybe two, two or one. one inch. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah, he coaxes him out onto the ledge, and he's really fucking with him. You know, he starts like dangling like a scarf in his face, like ooh, ooh you know, trying to get him to fall. Yeah. I, I mean, out of the three, I think this sequence is the most thrilling. Yo, out of the tense. three, yeah, uh, extremely well, tense. I'll tell you why. To me, beyond the acting, which is incredible. It is just shot after shot of incredible compositing. Mm-hmm. Like, the map paintings look so good and seamless by, like, even a modern standard, frankly. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I've seen so many films that came out, like, a decade after this one, like, from the 90s, from the early 2000s, where they were going for, like, their final big sequence, like, oh, yeah, like, the guy's gonna fall off the skyscraper and they're doing the compositing and stuff. That doesn't look anywhere near as good as any one of these single shots. Yeah. Like, every single shot here is so well composited. You're always believing that he's he's really out there and dangling on the ledge because you can't see the fucking scenes. Like, it's it's crisp. Yeah. It's really well done. And they've got, like, a fan on him. Like, he comes around one corner of the building and, like, the wind is blowing way harder. Right yeah. And, man, like, I'll tell amazing. you, I I am very scared of heights. Like, even watching, like, movies, stuff like this, like, makes me really uncomfortable. And this was just, like, so fucking tense, man. Mm-hmm. I was fucking, like, my my nuts were, like, going up inside my, up inside <laughs> my fucking body. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's exacerbated by, like, so many elements throughout his yeah. journey each, yeah. like, each time he it's rounds a fucking the it's a fucking odyssey yeah <laughs> each time he rounds the building there's a new threat well there. yeah well kressner is is trying is like actively trying to like startle him enough that he'll fall like he comes around to one window and he's got like a big like clown clown horn, horn you know <laughs> he's just like out the window he's like honking that at him i love how he drops it at a certain point and we get like a prolonged sequence of him falling. Yeah, it's just spiraling down. <laughs> Tumbling. Down down. You know, to kind of emphasize the height, which I thought was really good. And then it crumples when yeah. it hits the ground. Yeah, of course, like, anytime something falls in this, like, you do see that, like, that pretty classic, clear and obvious. Composite. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's not a great... Yeah. That's probably the part of the movie that's aged the least I don't well. mind it, though. Oh, I think no. it's charming. Yeah, yeah I, like, I, I have really no... Like no shots. Yeah, that's not a criticism. Yeah. Like, it's... It, the, Compared to a lot of the other effects in this movie, like it's not very good, but it's it's not it's not like a real complaint. I mean, yeah, like, I would like, rather take cute. that over CG. Yeah, sure. Any yeah, day. yeah, totally. Any, any day, I totally agree. And like, frankly, too, like what was this eighty five? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, like mm-hmm. the horn falling and 
other things falling. Like, like it it looks just as good as um, when like Hans Gruber falls. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the exact. You know, same like thing. like it's yeah. it's very similar in that yeah. respect, and like that's just as fun. And um, or um, and Die Hard is what like, Die Hard is what like ninety one. When is what is what is the original Die Hard? Die Hard's like nine. I want to say like eighty seven. Eighty seven. I'm pretty sure Die Hard is ninety something. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Uh, I might be wrong. What? I'm probably wrong. I'm oh no, sure. you're you're right. You're right. It's eighty eight. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. It's eighty eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah so a couple no, years later, but like right. around the same time. You know, like uh, another movie that I can think of that has a lot of like compositing. Like some, like I think. The Shadow movie with Alec Baldwin is like ninety two, which I'm definitely gonna pick for the podcast at some point. But I'm like, just thinking of uh, is that a horror movie. It's it's plain horror, Jason. Yeah, but like uh, I'm thinking of a little kid falling out of the helicopter in uh, the Abel Ferrara body snatchers that we talked oh, yeah, about yeah, a few yeah. months ago. That's ninety. That's, that's ninety six, isn't it? Like, yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. Ninety four, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's just like yeah, like you have a, a whole era of of those sorts of effects, and like I I, I love it. But again, too, it's it's only those shots where, like, something is, like, falling from the building. Like, the rest of the time, like, it looks like he is really there yeah. on the side of the Out building. on the ledge. And you always feel it. And they, they know exactly when to pace the shots that are, like, close up of him in the set. You know, just, like, mm-hmm. walking along the wall with a trampoline or pads, like, two feet below him. And when you have those, like, downward-facing shots of, like, the street below him. And he's just carefully working his way along the ledge. And... And those, again, like those those shots, they're they're paired really nicely with each other, and there's just so many well composited bits. Yeah, like, it's just I, it's it really is a feat. I love me. the sequence when he's turning the corner and it's super windy, and like yeah, it's that like he's turning feels into super a wind tense. tunnel. And it was windy yeah. before, like like when yeah. he's like still making his way to that corner. You already think that like it's windy up there and it's scary, and then he rounds the corner, like you said, and it's real windy. It's Chicago winds. I think this is one of the advantages of having Cardiff as a cinematographer. Because he has such an eye for what makes the sense of height, you know, so much more tangible. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, when you're turning a corner, you get the the close-ups of the corner, you know, ledge... And kind of his head peeking out, and it feels so much more of a threat. Than well, just I mean, like yeah, a wide shot. You know, it's funny that you mention Cardiff in in this regard because, like, you're absolutely right. Like, one of the films that he's most famous for, Black Narcissus, incredible has, movie. You know, it's like the monastery is up there on like the top of the cliff, and he's got like all the shots like looking down, yeah. where it's like composited with like a. Me- gorgeous matte painting under there have, it, have you have you seen that movie the the full thing yeah because it's incredible i watched I, it i watched it back in college um, but i haven't seen it in a really long time i i love powell and pressburger's whole stuff we'll have to do peeping tom at some point yes dude because peeping that's tom an incredible rules. movie from michael powell but <laughs> just a side note did you see that they remade black narcissus as like an fx miniseries a few years back what yeah and they cg'd all of those high i mean of course shots. they did but and it doesn't feel uh, nearly as tangible who is that who is that for black narcissus came out in 1947 <laughs> it's for no one <laughs> like who is no one watched it that's why that's crazy who is the target audience us <laughs> yeah like <laughs> But it isn't because it's worse. Yeah, so like, yeah. What you, yeah, yeah that's crazy. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I the other day. You know, like the Day of the Dead movie, like had a whole TV series based on it. 
Fucking I had weird, no man. idea. I th- yeah. yeah, I think I did know that actually. See, but that's I the, the, first time that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, CG can't replicate that sort of sense of height mm-hmm. that the good compositing can give you. Yeah, they um, they can't they can't get the same kind of like perspective. Yeah. Um, but another one of my favorite parts in this sequence is when he comes around like the third side of the building. And, like, mercifully, he finds, like, a little alcove that, like, goes deeper into the building where he can, like, stop and rest. And, like, he's not in danger of falling. Well, that's when the the pigeon starts bothering him, right? This no, this is that's right after okay, this. Okay, okay. Because, like, yeah, he's found this little spot of safety where he can, like, stop and catch his breath. It's like, he got, he reached the checkpoint. He can lie <laughs> down for a moment. He can lie down for a second, but then Kreshner is on the roof above him, and he's some, he's gotten a <laughs> fire hose from somewhere. And so he starts just, like, hosing him down, and it's like... So now he's all wet and cold and and, sl- and slip, but slippery too. Yeah, like the building is like granite. And, and you, you know, know like like they've they've done such a good job of keeping the palette really cool and cold and stark. That like yeah, and with the wind, it feels yeah, there. it feels cold. So like being blasted with a fire hose, like and having to go back out on that ledge is just the worst. Yeah, um, and he's he's like he's like this is only this is only with the valve half open. If you don't start moving in the next thirty seconds, I'm gonna turn it on full blast. Once again, just painting like such a Looney Tunes image. Yeah, like he's got like a literal fire hose mm-hmm. and he's like blasting him with water. Yeah, I think that's really... another reason why this movie works as a PG thirteen film because it's a fucking cartoon. More on that. Later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, L- literally. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm building a theme. Don't you worry. Yeah. It's it's a fucking cartoon ass movie. But yeah, he gets he gets going again, and this is when we're introduced to the most hateful little pigeon that fucker that, that God ever put on this planet. This this pigeon that just starts relentlessly just pecking at the exact same spot on yeah. his ankle. Just incredibly territorial. To the point where, like, you see a little bit of blood around yeah. the sock. Just, like, as That's he's fine. trying to, like, inch his way along this, like, five-inch ledge, I this can't pigeon just, I just that's just, can't like, break. keeping pace <laughs> with him, just going along and just, like, peck, 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 peck. Oh, shit, you know what, Ben? You're totally right. The pigeon is before that because when he gets into the alcove, he kicks the pigeon. He yeah. punched the oh, pigeon. Yeah. Like a football, yeah. Um, and like I love it too. He's like we're all animal lovers in chat. Like we're we were. I think we've already expressed we were concerned about the cat. Like in some of those earlier sequences. Mm-hmm. But honestly, with that pigeon is such a fucker. And like they shoot yeah. it really well because like you you it's off screen. We see from like we don't see from inside the alcove. We just hear him go. What, what does he say? He says something like you you shit bag. I think he calls the pigeon a shit bag, and you hear him kick it, and the pigeon flies out from the alcove with it's just, just a big burst of feathers. Puff of feathers. Yeah. Again, very, uh, very Looney Tunes. Looney yeah. Tunes. And you know that, like, the pigeon wasn't actually hurt. Like, it's, yeah. it's really, like, it's really good. And again, just, like, the perfect, because, like, pigeons shit everywhere. Like, like the perfect insult to a pigeon. If you're going to insult a pigeon, call it a shit bag. That's, that nailed it. Like, I, fucking perfect. Idea. I'm as much of an animal lover as the next guy, but I don't think... Pigeons or rats deserve rights. That's whoa, my hot take. Whoa, 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 whoa! We got it. This is a horror community. We've got a lot of horror fans here. We love some rats. All right, I'm. I'll fight you on this one. I love a rat. I love. I, oh, I not, love not, rat. not rats and mice. Not, are not the same. feral city rats. Those things are horrifying. They're scary, but they're kind of cool. Like I, mean, I don't know, man. What about pizza rat? 
Pizza Rat. Okay, Pizza Rat. Come the fuck out of here. Gets a, uh, gets a presidential any, pardon. Dude, dude, that's just that's just any rat with a pizza. I'm sorry. Like, like if you're forgiving Pizza Rat, forgive all rats, okay? This is a total side Not note. all rats. We can rats. talk about this later, but hashtag not all rats. Ben, ben, ben said A-Rab. A- <laughs> Uh, uh, we just leave that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I disagree. Yeah. Uh, fu- I, I fucking love a rat. Um, fuck and, a goose, though. Yeah. I, yeah. There's been like, a couple times when I've like been in Chicago late at night, and like rats have run like directly past my feet. The motherfuckers will just like run straight across your feet. Yeah, they got oh, to be. Oh, it's so creepy. But yeah, they got to they got, be the heebie-jeebies. They got somewhere honestly. to be. They yeah. got ra- they got They're rat busy. business. They got, they got the rat shit to do. They got uh, they got rat tattooey shit to yeah. do. They, they got they got. Ra- yeah, but don't rewatch watch ratatouille. They have they have they have three Michelin star restaurants that they need to. Bro, they need yeah. to this to is a tangent, but have you guys seen the SGDQ? Uh, run through of Ratatouille. <laughs> it's incredible no. because he's That's saying one of the guys is saying <laughs> what the dude needs to do, and all the rest of the people on the couch are like, "Yes, chef," to everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty wholesome. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. chef. Most of the clips I see from SCDQ are, uh, are are not wholesome. So I would let a rat. I would let a rat run a restaurant if he be cooking. If he be cooking, man. If he be cooking. Um, all right, we well, gotta I'm get cook. we gotta get back to this because we still yes, got a whole. Letting other, him cook. We need to get back. We still got a whole other third story we <laughs> yes, gotta talk yeah. about. So we gotta wrap this one up. So anyway, um, there's another great sequence where he has to climb over like the sign of the building. It does a classic thing where like the letter falls. And the cat watches him the whole time, and he's like dangling the, off. The, 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 the tea moment. has been spilled. Yeah, because the cat is like really, yeah. like, really nicely like looking around the ledge, and it it expresses concern for him whenever like he's you know starting to fall or whatever. Yeah, and somebody it, was doing something off camera to call, to keep that cat's attention. Somebody was dang jingling some keys or something. And they were doing it just like yeah. to get those expressions out of the cat. Like you really believe it, and it's a real cat. It's just I don't know, man. Like I just it's a very I was big cat. so I was so impressed. I loved him. Yeah. Um, what a sweet baby. So he does, uh, he does finally make his way, uh, back onto the balcony. He get he's gotten all the way around the building, um, and he goes in and the mobster's like, I don't welch on a bet, but I, uh, I am a, a, a very poor loser. Um, he welch it. Yeah. He's like, here, you can have the, I, I told you you get the car, the money, and of course, my wife! <laughs> Uh, I put a little Borat just stank on that. her head. Because the, the protagonist has been sleeping with his wife before now. Oh, yeah, I guess his... is. I might have missed that, but was his wife the one he was putting on the bus? Yeah. Was it, okay. I didn't I didn't connect that. It's kind of introduced very quickly. I, yeah. yeah, I was I was focusing on the kitty cat. Um, Same, honestly. Yeah, okay, so that makes more sense. That the, the girlfriend who he was putting on to the bus at the beginning was Kressner's wife. He's trying to get her out of town. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. He's going to meet up with her later. Okay, pieces fitting together <laughs> in, in real time, folks. <laughs> wow. Um, 
But yeah, he's got like the bag of money and he like throws it at him and the the wife's head like comes out uh rolls out of the bag. Yeah. Um and he's got like a goon there with like a, a silenced pistol. Yeah, he hires like a different goon for that, but like throughout the uh the the rest of the time his goon is Mike Starr who is like another big character actor who's played a lot of like Hollywood goons yeah like throughout the like throughout the, the era I don't know if I recognize him is he a, he might is as he a well Star be Trek junk honestly is he a Star Trek guy uh, no 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 he he was in like Ed Wood and um oh uh, like all sorts of stuff you know uh, Miller's Crossing very, very relevant classic um, Cohen Brothers yeah he was kind of interchangeable with junk from the first sequence for me. Yeah, a little I don't bit. Think, uh... But so our our protagonist in this one manages to get the gun, and he's holding it on Cressner, and he's basically like, "Oh, I got an idea for you. Uh, we're gonna make a bet." And so he puts him out on the ledge, is doing the same thing, but he's like shooting at his feet to make him yeah. to make him walk, and he's coming around the corner, and uh, that pigeon, he's back. <laughs> And he starts he starts going at dude's ankles and uh it uh scares him enough that he slips and we get a very long uh Hans Gruber esque uh a great shot. shot of him of him falling uh to his death in the struggle before the cat slipped out of the room and ran downstairs and we see the cat walking past the uh the bent and broken clown horn on the yeah. sidewalk below. And it kind of runs up under a car and we just see like a shot of the cat's face as we hear Cressner hit the ground. <laughs> I guess he landed on the clown horn it's, because when he hits, it makes the honks. Well, we cut to the clown horn right before he falls. It's so the classic comedic sort of tension and release. Uh-huh. You know, we introduce what we know is coming and still, it's hilarious when it comes, because it's that release. Yeah, fucking cartoon-ass sound effect when he hits the ground. It's so funny. Man of the Ledge is the, is the perfect, yeah. um, like, tension piece for your middle story, to keep people invested and on the mm-hmm. edge of your seats. Um, you know, to, to book in the other two stories with. Like, the first one is very personal. You've got a lot of character with and narrative with James Woods, and there's a lot of interplay um and it's it's really over the top but like this this one it's it's really clean simplistic and it's all about the tension it's just a guy on a ledge like mm-hmm. the whole time and what's what's going to make him need to fall off next and like i i i love that i love i love the i, I love just how like minimal it is yeah um, i think it's i think it's probably the most effective of the three stories in like a sort of like technical sense like it's it's definitely uh the the most tense yeah Um, well yeah i think it's it's the one that certainly like gets me the most yeah um yeah likewise but uh i do think that the third is the the third one the third one's the craziest it's the goofiest and it's definitely the funniest um yeah so we we see our our cat he hops on a train becomes a hobo cat all he's missing is the bindle. I love it too. It, it, it's it's set up perfectly. You know that like when they were editing this film, they were like really keeping the audience in mind because 
Like, we see the train tracks, we see the cat, and then Ben says, oh, man, is he going to be a hobo cat? And then next <laughs> shot, cat's on the train, hanging off the side, and we're all like, yeah! yeah. Like, like, this this movie's just chock full of those sorts of moments where we're all like, oh, is thing going to happen? And the thing happens, and we get what we want. And again, like, that's what it's about. Yeah. Fuck I mean, subversions, fuck anything else, just give, give us what we want. Well, that's the thing. It's a, so sweet. A lazier so film would have just been like, oh, here's the new setting. Yeah. But we get these nice transition sequences Mm -hmm. where the cat's on a ferry or the cat's on a train traveling long distances to get to the next place. Yeah. Yeah. And in the first two, the cat is more of of an observer, but the cat then becomes like an integral part of like the third story. The hero. The hero. It's lightly bookend because at the very beginning of the film, we're wandering around the streets of New York with the cat. He looks in the mirror of a building, sees a mannequin, and Drew Barrymore's face is superimposed on the mannequin in the reflection, and she's like, I need your help. She's like, help me, I need you, it's coming back, it's coming to get me, yeah, I need, yeah. you're, and, my, you're my only hope. Yeah, help me, well, everyone. That, that happens Nobi. again and, after the the next one, where In like, between it shows the first the and TV. the second one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's watching, like, a commercial where Drew Barrymore is in the ad, putting, like, a cat like in a in like a um a baby's high chair and it's like it's like a commercial for cat food but yeah then like a second drew barrymore is superimposed over that and again she's like help me it's coming to get me i need you like talking to the cat these parts i don't know if they really work i think they're funny they work for me I don't think they're really necessary for, like, the third story to make sense. I don't feel like they really add anything to it, but they're fun. It, they're odd enough they're that very they don't weird. detract by it. I laughed every anything. time. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, up, yeah, it's it's it, funny, it but it's also, like, it's also like, what the fuck is, is happening? <laughs> because the, the last two instances, they're so disconnected from the rest until we get around to the third story. Um, where the cat... Well, it's, you, you can kind of tell that, like, the cat is trying to get there throughout the film, you know? Like... Yeah, but... Like, the cat is, like, clearly invested. Like, it always stops what it's doing and, like, looks up and is is, is really, like, intent on whatever Drew Barrymore is, like, projecting psychically into Right, but, but, like, but that's what I'm saying, is, like, why is she psychically project? Who is this Because it's this Stephen cat? King. We've, okay, okay, we've talked about this a lot <laughs> on the podcast, and that is Stephen King is insane. Like, he has the craziest ideas, and this is I mean, so Stephen King. This is like cocaine energy era Stephen King. It's true, King. Mid, mid-80s, yeah. In the past, I've often said, like, I think that some of my favorite adaptations of Stephen King are the ones where they kind of, like, pull up, rein it in a little bit, like the Outsider series on HBO or whatever else. I mean, great you know what I'll series. say here? This movie, they don't rein it in. And it still fucking works for me. It's well, yeah, they don't rein it in because it's Stephen. It's just Stephen King's writing, yeah. and this is the story that wasn't based on a pre-existing horror story. Mm-hmm. This is the one. He just, you know, all the psychic kid stuff. It's all very like X-Men and comic booky. Yeah, and you know what? Fuck it. I'm here for it. She doesn't have these powers in the actual story, though. It's just sort of like to like beckon the cat. Yeah, well, it's very. I mean, it's like um, you know, like she just sort of has ambient dream power, and that's it. Don't think about I it. I guess. <laughs> Beyond that, like, we're, just, we're getting, don't worry about it. We're getting bogged down. <laughs> so the cat shows up in uh, in Wilmington um, 
at this family's house. Shout out to Wilmington. Shout out, shout out Wilmington. Shout out NC. One of the uh, the first shots we get is the cats running towards the house, and we get like a a weird goblin gremlin cool POV. Cam. Well, you yeah. get yeah, you it's get a Sam Raimi You get a yeah. POV, and you you think it's the cat at first, but then you like see the cat in the back of a pickup truck. It's yeah. like okay, this isn't the cat, and then it also starts going like. <laughs> it's like okay, we're we got gremlin, we got gremlin cam. You know, I'm gonna say it early, and I'm gonna say it often. I love this little freak. I lo- yeah, I mean that's what this movie was really missing. It's like for the first two stories, it's like. Yeah, this is great. I'm having a good time. But where's the little freak? Every movie yeah. like this, every anthology horror film needs a story with a little freak. Yeah. Honestly, the little freak felt like straight out of like Dark Crystal to yeah. me. Like it's a very Henson-esque little freak. Yeah, and I uh, I love it for that. I so, love yeah. the design. I mean, uh, we're we're already running long, so I we'll just like really get into that. Yeah, there's this little goblin, little gremlin mm-hmm. troll thing. Um, he's he's a little jester hat with like yeah. bells on it, and he's like stealing the little girl's breath. Yeah, he's like hiding in her wall, and then comes out at night to uh sit on her chest and and steal her breath um pervert yeah a weird a little he's a little freak he's a nasty little freak freak. um and and all of this stuff is like so well done too because they do such like a great mix of like compositing there's a little bit of puppetry like when the little hand he'll like cover he'll like hold her nose closed so she opens she breathes with her mouth there's some that's like puppet. large sets that's the there's a stuff. lot of that and that stuff is very yeah, cool where they just like impressive. built a giant set and had somebody in this little goblin costume like running around amongst these like big dolls and like climbing up this giant bed with it, on this huge blanket always, like incredibly I, impressive it's really like, well done you, yeah. you can barely tell. Like, mm-hmm. if you're really looking for it, you can see that it's, like, an enlarged set. But honestly, like, just such a good job of disguising it. Like, when he's dancing around and, like, it's clear, it's like... You, you can really only tell that it's an enlarged set because he's moving so fluidly that he's being operated by a person on a set. Right? Like, you can't tell because the bet is, like, feels too big. Like yeah. which is yeah. which is crazy because like anytime I've seen like an enlarged set in a movie, you can usually clock it pretty quickly. But here, like the lighting is just right, and like the materials that they use to build the bed and have like the comforter hanging over, it looks like a bed with a comforter at normal scale. Like, yeah. and it, it's clearly not; it's giant. Like it's, it's massive. That's the and thing. That's so like, call me do. a mark, but I'm such a sucker for like enlarged sets because I feel like there's such an amount of artifice and like craftsmanship. To building that and making yes. it look just right, like that you don't Such get in like compositing or CGI. I you mean, know? I like, think I, I I think it, fucking almost three hundred episodes into this podcast, we've pretty well established that we're all <laughs> just like suckers for clever practical yeah. effects. I mean, sure. <laughs> but like my job beyond like, yeah. beyond compositing because yeah. you could just composite something like that. Just the dude, and they but like and they, they do composite, sometimes. They composite the enlarged set too, which yeah. is the impressive part to me because like it's it's much easier to just put a dude in a suit 
and just composite out all the background. Yeah. It's another thing to build out a giant background. Yeah, so he's interacting with things. This yeah. is the th- where he's like climbing up the uh, the stand to get into the bird to the bird's cage. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only times where like you can really see the seams are like when he's like walking up like Drew Barrymore's body. Like you can mm-hmm. see that yeah, like yeah. her face is like composited big behind him. Mm-hmm. But like it's not it's not well, bad. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like. When in those couple of shots where you can see the strings, it's fun. Yeah, it's just just like the the horn falling, like in the previous sequence or whatever. Like you can tell, like oh, that's composited or whatever. Yeah. But like it's still really cute and like it, it's a, it's a fun time. To, like yeah. The strings. Well, so like the whole the whole you know like crux of this story is that you know our our kitty cat general has been summoned psychically here to to help save this little girl from this nasty little gremlin um and the mom is uh she's really uh she's she doesn't trust the cat you know she doesn't want the cat to be in the house drew barrymore really wants to keep the cat but she's like no you know you've got this bird the cat could like eat the bird and the first night we see like the troll that the troll kills the the bird he's got he's got a little dagger <laughs> um, he kills the bird and you know the cat comes in um he he gets in through the window and uh attacks the 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 troll but he scurries back into his little uh his little mouse hole that he's torn in the baseboards which is really funny cuz earlier before this they're watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon yes well, that's that's where they really play their hand, and they show that they know what they're doing. Like, yeah, throughout mm-hmm. the series, like any or you know, the series of like shorts, they they are aware of their tone that they are doing a Tom and Jerry, that they're doing a Looney Tune. Yeah, like we're we're all we're all in on the joke, and I I, I respect it. Like, and this one's this one especially too, because it really does just turn into like sort of a macabre live action like Tom and Jerry gag where you've got the cat like trying to chase like the mischievous like little creature except you know in this case the roles reverse where we're rooting for the cat although you know sometimes you got to root for Tom Tom's yeah, got Tom's got it hard bro yeah, he's just trying to <laughs> eat man he's just he's trying to keep the mouse out of the house man he's just Tom is just He's trying doing his job. Tom is just trying to do his job. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. Jerry, a little fucking the piece true of shit. Villain. Yeah. yeah. This is a Tom house. Yeah, this is a Tom house. We, <laughs> we stand Tom. We we rep we rep Tom. We rep Tom. Tom Gang. Tom Gang. Fuck Jerry. I'm Fuck Jerry, it. Tom Gang forever. It. Tom yeah. Gang forever. Yeah. And this movie, this last, this last segment is really one for the Tom heads out there. <laughs> it's really one for the Tom heads out there because you know, fucking General does kill the little goblin freak. Yeah, he does. Justifiably, In the best Justi- way justifiably. Possible. That brings oh back to your point. God, man. like, yeah. There, there's a, there's just a whole chase around the house. They're fighting each other. Um, you know, we get the earlier sequence where that happens. And there's a really extended sequence that doesn't look great, but is so funny where the cat and the gremlin are both on Drew Barrymore's chest, and it's like she's just composited behind them, and you've got the cat on the left side, just kind of like. 
hissing and like batting, and then on the right side you've got the Gremlin with his little knife just mm-hmm. like slashing at it. It's so funny. Yeah. Like the, the shot reverses are really funny in this sequence because you know that like they didn't actually have like 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 the the scale is not equivalent between no. the cat and the goblin, right? So um uh they they hide it as well as they can. Like they never they never fuck up scale. And I appreciate that. So, like, they take extra steps. So, like, when he when he slashes with his knife, like, we might cut over and see the cat. And then off camera, we'd have, like, the same knife made smaller, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's really well done, balanced back and forth. It's I will say, super silly. the scale, the only time the scale feels really fucked up <laughs> is, like, when the dad picks up the dagger... Oh, at the very end. Yeah, at the very end. And it's but, yeah. incredibly tiny. Yeah, it's like yeah. a little Lego toy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love... Uh, well, because, like, the whole time he's wielding the knife, it's, like, kind of elaborate. Like, mm-hmm. it's got, like, some cool, like, kind of jagged edges to it. And, yeah. you know, like, it's... It's, well, it's, it's, a, it's one a, of those, like... battle of fates. So, like, these these two... Like, this, this, this psychic cat uh, that's, like, super... That's, like, like, as intelligent as a person and this strange, like ethereal goblin that steals children's breath are battling to the death to save this child and it's it's super intense and uh and it's it, it, silly as it's, it's silly as fuck but we'll get to that so like like we're, but in the moment we're feeling it you know we're, we're we're fucking rooting for the cat the 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 ghoul like it climbs up the side of the desk and it lands on on top of a record on like an old like fisher price record player and the cat turns it on because the cat is so fucking smart and cool and is our is our hero and protagonist and then it gets extra smart and it turns up the speed on the record spinning the goblin around well, well the needle drop is every breath you take yet once again, again. again. But this which is up, which is cool because it was stealing the girl's breath yeah it's great and yeah it just using an entirely different <laughs> context that works just as well as in the the smoking one at the beginning Chef's kiss. yeah like and, fucking incredible and yeah she keeps going she's, she's shouting like play it faster and the cat like keeps bumping up the rpms on the record player so at the end by the end it's like it's like every breath you take but sped up so much that it sounds like alvin and the chipmunks while this like little like this little goblin is like holding on to it spinning around and around and around meanwhile the parents are like battering on the door you know what's the ghoul like like shut like, he, he, yeah, he shoved he like a, a, a door jam up yeah. under the door um, um and so uh like, like there's all this fun like external tension and and then of course finally the like the cat bops him and he flies off the record player into the fan and is pulped and it's awesome like it's like so holy good, shit man. because like it's it's the kind of sequence that, like, it's got the kind of, like, the chimes and, like, the child Drew Barrymore and, you're, you know, you were conjuring, like, the labyrinth for it. Like, it's it's very children's movie. It's it's a PG-13 film. So, like, it's all from the eyes of a child. And we're feeling very childlike. We've got these giant sets and it's about a cat. And it's all very sweet and wholesome. And then they just pulp this fucker. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it's great. It's so rewarding. Well, my favorite like, part <laughs> is the score for it. Because, like, as the cat is running back from the pound to the house, it's such, like, a triumphant uh, score to it. I was looking up the composer, and it it's Alan the same Silvestre, guy yeah. who did uh, the Back to the Future score mm-hmm. the year after. And it almost feels like some of the same triumphant stuff that's in Back to the Future, which is great. Yeah, the whole part uh, of the cat's running back from the pound is... I. 
that was just another moment where I'm like, I cannot believe they got this cat to do this stuff because it's running back through the rain. Like, they had a rain machine, and the cat was just out in it. The cat is, like, soaking wet, and they got the cat to jump up in the tree, climb up out onto the branch, and go in the window into the girl's room. All in one shot. Like, being just dumped drenched by by the fucking rain machine it's crazy yeah it's like, like the like the most well-trained cat i've ever seen in any movie it's insane literally hurting cats yeah like hurt herding <laughs> with a with a d right herding yeah, yeah. herding cats yeah, yeah. like not and, hurting cats. no 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 fuck that no animals are but like uh yeah like like literally herding cats and uh just incredible stuff yeah like like really we i think we were, we were just talking about opera you know and like how imp- impressive those creature stunts were it's like a theme right now for us yeah. but i yeah i got to say like this just this just blows any film i've seen like with like like creature uh with like a live animal like yeah. practicals like out of the water um well yeah. so it pulps the goblin mm-hmm. it, like ah uh, after like so many actually like the previous sequence with the man on the ledge we get our catharsis off screen. We hear him splat and he lands on the clown horn. So it does like a silly noise as the guy like is obviously like pulped on the pavement, right? Like he's, he's fucking caked. He's, 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 he's done. Um, uh, but it's off screen. So it still has like a Looney Tunes effect, but we don't get the same catharsis. So this sequence rewards us spectacularly with just fucking destroying this little goblin fucker. Yeah, you can show mm. goblin guts in a PG-13. Apparently, <laughs> because Jesus, do they, do they? Like, when the fan, the fan is still running, like, it's, like, blood sprays up the side of it, uh, and, like, bits fly everywhere, and then, as you already mentioned, like, when the parents finally do break into the room, and the girl says, oh, my God, the cat, uh, the cat saved he, me. He and saved the me from like, the oh, monster. what the fuck are you talking about, like, you know, any any worse movie, like, it would have been, like, just just off where, like, the surrealism couldn't have been a thing. Um, or the, the fantasy, the, um, uh, could, couldn't have worked. But here, like, the parents go over, and sure enough, there's the goblin guts. There's, like, an arm. An arm. A little, a little like, severed goblin hand. Uh, and, then, and, the, and the tiny knife. Yeah, and he picks it yeah, up. And surrounded it like by ground toy. beef. It's like what's the what the fuck? I love that their reaction is like they'll they're like they turn to their jar and they're like, now we're not gonna tell anybody about this, are we? You're not gonna tell yeah, any that. of your any of your friends about this, are you? That was kind of bizarre. And and she's and she's I like, well, on one condition, and they're like, what? She's like, we get to keep general. Hell yeah, and, and he can sleep and in he my can room. sleep in my room every night. And the mom's like, now that's black. Mailing. And we're all like, you're goddamn right it is. The moral of the story, kids, is black blackmail your parents. Works. Fuck yeah. Hey, when your when your parents like I'm sorry, but like we have we we didn't really touch on how much of a bitch the mom was. Oh, she sucks. She sucks. Like the whole time she wants the cat out of the house. She traps the cat in the box and, and takes it to the pound to yeah, be like just, just sucks. down. Like yeah, just, she just sucks. Terrible. And uh so like there's a lot of a lot of really good catharsis here. Like we're I'm, i was so over the moon. When, uh, like, little Drew Barrymore is just like, yeah, but I get to keep the cat. We're like, yeah, you get to keep the cat. Well, like, it's so I, sweet. It's very wholesome. We we do need to wrap up, but I do want to mention the very end of the film because I think it's got such a, f- a perfect little ending. We see beautiful cherry. We top. see General. He's he's eaten a whole fish. He's got like yeah, the skeleton. He's good. <laughs> 
very Tom and Jerry ass prop, yes, like yes. The, your your classic He's kind of fish, full fish skeleton. It's at night. He goes up the stairs and into the parents' bedroom. They've got the daughter sleeping between them, and hops up on the bed. And the music is like kind of like creepy and sinister. Mm. Well, and the cat is like at the very like beginning of this sequence too. The dad mention or the, the the mother calls or the grandmother calls and like she's like spanish or something and she's like oh careful having a cat in the house it'll steal the kid's breath yeah so we, we see the goblin stealing the girl's breath it's it's sort of set up a little bit so here the cat is coming up and it's like oh god will the cat steal her breath the music is sinister is like getting closer and closer to drew barrymore's face like kind of like sniffing it's like oh was the cat trying to steal her breath all along and the goblin was just like competition for his prey it's like oh, oh what no. is it and he gets because it's his, a horror movie so oh fuck is it gonna right. end like on it's a, like on oh is the note? cat is the cat gonna be evil all along and then the cat sticks out his tongue and like <laughs> licks <laughs> licks her on the nose or like on the mouth gives her like a little kiss little and she wakes up and she's like oh hi general and she like grabs him and like snuggles him and like freeze frames and the credits roll it's like yes we got a happy ending for the kitty cat and we get an incredible original song yeah talking about the movie yeah Yeah. dude it's rad gotta bring back gotta bring back that trend i know we talked about on the nightmare uh on elm street three episode with the docking song we gotta we gotta get the trend back where we uh, compose, get original songs written for the credits of yeah, films. By rock bands. Gotta yeah. get that back. It's so um, great. Yeah, they sing it. It's like Cat's Eye, and it's like, the lyrics are things like, you know, we'll take your breath away and shit. It's yeah, like, it's all it's all very on the nose. Yeah, it's excellent. It's excellent. Um, very fun. I think the Cartoon last true-themed song that we got was the Suicide Squad purple Lamborghini. Oh my god. Uh no, nope. uh uh I'm oh, a, no, it's 21 Jigsaw. Savage Jigsaw. in Jigsaw yeah, or no, yeah. in uh, uh Spiral. Spiral. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let it spin, a, spin like a spiral. Spin like a spiral. I'm gonna do I'm number, number 2 with my rifle. rifle. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna take a big <laughs> shit with his rifle. Thanks 21 Savage. Yeah, I More think like that, that is I think that is like the last instance I can think uh, of. I and dude, what I always what I always think of 10 is around the corner. Hopefully we get another all my fingers for that movie. What I always think of too and i know this wasn't like original wasn't like composed for the movie but just like the the use of lincoln park over the credits of the michael bay transformers movies man all right we're ready uh yeah i think we should rate this cleveland well, yeah Cleveland's you start tired. since this was your pick man, great look, pick like what fun like like this is this is why i do this right like we we all get to get together once a week minimum and uh like watch a fun movie have a great time and talk about how much we love it and share that with you guys and i this movie was perfect for that i mm-hmm. uh it reminded me of when we watched predator together it reminded me of so many other great times where we just had fun watching a good movie with friends and, like, is this movie, like, academic? Is this movie, like, highbrow? Does this movie, like, bring a lot to the table? No. But is it a, a perfect, like... Tom I would say it brings a lot to the table. I, yeah, okay, that's fair. We've talked about it's, it for a long time. This is a long episode. Yes, absolutely. And it brought a lot of... Well, it brought a lot of joy to the table. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, intellectually, right? Like, I mean, like... Ah, yeah, does it, 
you know, like, is there anything to, like, gain from this? You know, it's a literary piece. Like, no. But it's it's a perfectly executed piece of entertainment. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good it's, filmmaking. Yeah. It's flawless. It's flawless filmmaking. Like, and, and again, like, when you do see the strings, it's fun. I had an amazing time watching this with you guys. Easy five out of five for me. Ben. Tease. Oh, me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, my, my rating hinges on what you rate it, because I'm on the fence. Damn, I was, I was, that's why I wanted really? you to go first, too. Um, Fuck it, dude. Let's just make it a golden pod. Let's do it. If okay. you're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's, 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 oh, let's yeah. do it. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I will say I was, I really, really surprised how much I loved this movie. I went to it with, like, expectations that it would be, like, a fun, campy 80s movie, you know, a la Creep Show, a la Tales from the Dark Side. But honestly, I don't know if this is a hot take, but this beats out all of those movies for 100%. me. A hundred percent. This is... The thing about Creep Show and Creep Show 2 are they have their low points. They have, yeah. you know, stinkers within their anthologies. And this movie really does not. No. And, and for that reason, I think it's my my new favorite, like, horror anthology film. I at least agree. At least of this era. You know, and it's funny, you're... Cleve, uh, you're wearing your your, your seventh. I'm literally working on no, a Cleve no, show Cleve, game. Cleve, you're wearing your seventh cursed shirt. Yeah, thank you. And for like, yeah, I am wearing a seventh I, I feel shirt. like this movie is in that same vein in that like it tries so hard to entertain. Yes, and it succeeds. Yes, so so yeah. much in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, it's movies are primarily here for us to have fun. You know, like at the end of the day, I'm. I try to think of myself as, like, someone who's... who's I, I try to be academic, I try to be scientific, and I try to be technical, but at the end of the... And literary, you know? Like, I read a lot, and I, I want the most out of these films, but at the end of the day, these movies are here to entertain people. And when I, like, start my day, and I'm sitting down with a cup of coffee, and I'm, like, thinking about, like, what, I'm, like, what kind of art I'm going to help make, that's my goal, you know? Like, that's, that's the point, is to, is to bring people joy and to have a good time making a great piece of art. And these are the kinds of movies that Well, do. and that's the thing. You know, movies succeed or fail on their own terms. And, like, not every movie needs to be super stuffy and intellectual. Like, this movie is trying to be goofy and fun, and it totally succeeds. It's, it's, it succeeds at exactly what it's trying to be. It's, it's a Tom and Jerry cartoon written by Stephen King. Yes. <laughs> what is what it is. It's perfect. It's and, perfect for that. And it is perfect. So, yeah, uh, surprisingly, we walk out of this with uh, Cat's Eye as a as a golden pot, a unanimous yeah, five dude. out of five. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, well, Ben... God, I love movies. Next week is your picks. So why don't yes. you tell us about what we're going to be so talking about? We, uh, a month or two ago, we talked about the first... Female prisoner scorpion movie. Yes, I think that's and been like three or four months yeah, at this point. We were, <laughs> believe we were it or all not. very pleasantly surprised. I by loved it. it. I have yeah. seen it before, but I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. About, time. But that's, the thing that's is, another film that really in, informed me on Creep Show. Yes, too. that's a movie I love. The second movie is one that I love even more, yeah. to be honest. And you know. I've been thinking Cormac McCarthy died recently, RIP, but I feel like the second movie in that series takes what the first movie does and takes kind of the desert kind of outlaw nature of stuff like No Country for old men 
uh, and combines them really in a unique way. Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41. Oh. Um, also a mouthful name, very confusing. I often get the name mixed up with the first one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so you pull your phone up there. Um, yeah, I had to remember it because it... <laughs> It's I'm going to be mouthful. real with you. I don't even remember the title of the first one. Uh, female Prisoner 41 Scorpion? I don't know. I, I have to check, too. That is Female Prisoner female 71 Female Prisoner Scorpion. Female Prisoner 701. 701 Scorpion. Scorpion. Okay. Oh, so and this one is Female Prison Desert Prison Scorpion 41? <laughs> Nailed it. Moving it's on. Uh, female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and yeah. It's it's amazing. I love it so much, and I'm so excited to talk about it next Sick. week. Sweet. I'm excited, too. Cleveland, we got to get paid. Oh, it's shit. been weeks since we got sponsor paid. Sponsor time. Well, we've done a few spots. We've done some sponsors while we were, uh, you know, yeah. on, our, on our lonesome. But the sponsor shelf doesn't eat as 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 heartily when we're not all That's three true. in the room. It hungers for sponsor blood. Yeah. Um, all right. This week was brought to you by the telephone from Skinamarink, but sexier. <laughs> so like. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know when it looks at you with those silly plastic eyes before doing a terrifying smile. Now those eyes are. They Fuck little, me eyes. They get a little mascara. They're kind of. They got that kind of smoky look about them. What if those? You know, they're a little, 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 little razzed. What if those eyes were like big tits? The, <laughs> the eyes? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds scary. That sounds like that sounds scary to me. No, it's hot. Is that skinamarink? Yeah, that's damn. That's maybe skinamarink. Maybe I understand skinamarink now. I think that's what it took. Skin him a think about it. Skin him a think about it. <laughs> All right, thanks, ladies and gentlemen. That's our sponsor this week. All right, well, thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to the honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Y'all are the best. Uh, you can be like them and give us money and recommend movies and get into our Discord. I'm moving my Twitch streams to the Discord. They're not on Twitch anymore, so c- come join the Discord. Spooky Saturday. Spooky Saturday. Um, that'll have been done happened by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, podpeoplepod, letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod. That's where you can see all them film movies we've talked about. All them film movies. All them film about. movies we talked about on the show. Average range links to the reviews. You can see all our golden pods, of which Cat's Eye is just the latest entry. Uh, and, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. For my recommendation corner, I usually like to do obscure shit, but I will say I'm making an exception because I'm absolutely hooked on Street Fighter VI right now. Go play that. This is like the third time you've done like a big release. Yeah, you haven't done something obscure in a minute. Yeah, like you like last time it was like Breath of the... It was like fucking Tears of the Kingdom. No, like. last week was fucking Sin and Punishment. For the N64, I was talking about how great the Steam Deck is there for you know, emulation. Right. Well, um, that's right. No, your, recommenda- yeah, right, your recommendation last week was the concept of emulation. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't let us uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't let us uh, interrupt your uh, your corporate sellout. But no, like, no, uh, no, go for no, it. no, 
Street Fighter Six is like one of the greatest paths to fighting games that has ever existed. Damn. Um, you know, I I have always enjoyed fighting games casually, but I've never really gotten into them because like I can't memorize quarter turns and all these complex combos. Can't master quarter turns over here. Mortal Kombat has been doing this shit for like a decade. I, I'm just a scrub lord. Has, has, well, has been Mortal doing scrub Kombat, Kombat stuff. Low key is clunky as shit. I love it. I love, um, I'm a Mortal Kombat stand. The new one does look good. Dude, I one looks say. so good. The cameo system. But Street Fighter Six, amazing game. Great entry to the series. Full of character. Huge recommend. And are you campaign, are too. you platinum? No, no, I'm a, I'm a fucking scrub. I'm I have three mains right now. All three of them are bronze. Okay. I'm trying to get them all to gold. All right, at the least. Well, check back next week to see if he got there. All right, I'm gonna be a little roundabout, but not as much. So don't worry. Uh, I'm uh, normally a shout out Dread XP in some capacity, but uh, this week I'm still gonna do that, but through a roundabout way. I'm specifically gonna shout out um, my buddy uh, once again, Luke Orum, Luke. Thank you for this recommendation to me uh, for for this movie, Cat's Eye. It was a masterpiece, and I, I really appreciate it. But also, Luke has been working with me on My Friendly Neighborhood. He just did a whole series of, like, an extensive series of paintings of all of the puppets from My Friendly Neighborhood as classical paintings. They look so good, and I just, I got it. So shout out to My Friendly Neighborhood. If it's not out yet, go wishlist it. I think mean, you've still got some time, but... Go go check out my friend the neighborhood. It's gonna have like all of his paintings like in the game, and it it's they look amazing and they're so funny and they're so great and they're so well painted. Awesome stuff, man. That's it for me. All right, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll be watching you.